So the foods your kid was spitting across the room one week might just become their jam a month later. Can you imagine like one day spinach is their nemesis and two weeks later they're like Popeye? Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Raise your hand if this sounds like you, okay? But no judgment. You choose peanut butter and jelly on white bread. I said no judgment, but I'm judging. No, I'm not judging. Gummy worms and cocoa puffs. Dinner might look like hot dogs, burgers, pizza, mac and cheese, you know, good old American food. Maybe throw in some pancakes and bacon. Goldfish is your go-to snack. Some Oreos for dessert washed down with some Kool-Aid. Man, that is your ideal meal. Not one identifiable vegetable in there, right? So basically your taste buds never really advanced beyond preschool or maybe you got to grade school level taste buds, you know, where you can you can handle a few carrot and celery sticks, maybe with ranch dressing along with the buffalo wings. But the idea of a salad or grilled fish or something that resembles something from nature makes you break out in a clammy sweat. Look. I'm not judging. I really am not judging. It's not your fault. You can blame it on your parents. I mean, it all starts in the womb. You know, if mama was washing down Twinkies and chips with diet soda from 15 weeks on, that impacted your taste buds when you were just swimming around in there. It it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Your parents and what they ate influenced you, specifically your mom during your time in the womb. And there's a, there's a physiological reason why it gets even more advanced because you were swallowing about a liter of amniotic fluid every trimester. So what mama ate, you were eating. Then you made your exit into the world and got introduced to the perfect food, which is mother's milk. God created the perfect balance of carbohydrates, protein, and fat in breast milk. But then something went really awry. You sprouted teeth and your free will, because right about there is when your free will kicked in, you know what I'm saying? When a child has a nuclear meltdown over broccoli, you know, it's really easy for a parent to let go of the wheel. But the good news is it's never too late to make your taste, your taste buds grow up. And your taste buds, my friends, are what need to grow up in order to stick to a clean eating plan. 
My son was a phenomenal eater as a baby. He'd slurp up his sweet potatoes and pound those peas like a champ. Apples were his favorite, and he'd really dig on anything fruit-related. You know what I'm saying? Like pureed pears, plums, maybe a little banana. Add that to, to the breast milk. Oh my gosh, forget it. But when he turned two, my little tyrant started throwing down the gauntlet at every single meal. I mean, it was bad. Children have the ability to express that displeasure with food from a really young age, right? I mean, they do it whether they're spitting it out, you know, across the room, onto the floor, painting the walls and the ceiling with it, you know what I mean? Painting their little food tray in their high chair, rubbing it all over their face. That was my son. Anything green flew from his mouth like a projectile explosion. And it left us both ugly sobbing, you know, ugly sobbing, like that crying, ugly, tears, mad, screaming, not good. It was gruesome. And I have to admit, many peas paid the price. So after our little ones make that transition from the wondrous, very complex nutrition that is breast milk to solid food, they shift to fruit and veggies, all of that good stuff, but somewhere between the veggie full plates where, you know, we're introducing peas and carrots and spinach and green beans and squash and everything that comes in a baby food packet, they then transition into the age of ordering off a children's menu. And that palette, that beautiful rainbow palette of red and orange and green and purple and blue morphs into brown and shades of brown and white. It's kind of like, reminds me of like when somebody is about to faint, you know, that you can see the color literally drain from their face. Well, that color drains from their plates. And in order to avoid a full-out battle, because, babes, I've been there with you. I'm still in the trenches with you because my son is still a picky eater. But I'm not giving up. So why do we slip down the rainbow? Why do we let go of all that beautiful color of food to a place of no palate return? There's a scientific term for it, and it's called neophobia. And it's a fear aroused by new foods. You know, it's actually a syndrome. It's, it's got a name attached to it. And all omnivorous animals, omnivores, those who eat different types of foods, are scared to try the unknown. So the years between the ages of 2 and 10 are the worst. And between 4 and 7 years old, children usually only agree to taste something unfamiliar if they are strongly encouraged to with some sort of reward and consistency. Threatening, not so much. So the good news is, neophobia, that fear of trying new foods, can be overcome with education and consistency, knowing the positive outcome of eating those foods and offering them frequently. Sometimes that means offering new foods up to 20 times. Maybe it's cooked one way one time. Maybe it's prepared another way another time. Maybe it's 
left raw. Maybe it's given with a sauce or something to dip into, but we don't give up. And we don't give in to the tantrums and the fits. The average person is actually born with about 10,000 taste buds. That's a lot of taste buds. So that explains why certain foods may taste stronger and more, let's call it abrasive to children and why accepting different flavor profiles can be so challenging. But about every two weeks during childhood, taste buds get replaced. Every two weeks, that's, pretty, that's a pretty regular replacement. So the foods your kid was spitting across the room one week might just become their jam a month later. Can you imagine like one day spinach is their nemesis and two weeks later they're like Popeye? I mean, it could happen. How would you know if you don't keep offering it? I always say if you let your, ga- your foot off the gas and don't keep filling their plates and your family's plates with fruit and veggies, it'll be so much harder to introduce those variety of flavors later, later on. Um, Dr. Daniel Amen, who I worked with very closely on the New York Times bestseller, The Daniel Plan, says you have to be their frontal lobe of their brain until theirs develops. They are not equipped to make those choices, but you are. And so a growing process is happening. We've got to give it time. We've got to put down the roots, you know, before we pull it up and just say, oh, my kid won't eat it. My family won't eat it. Shoot, I don't want to eat it. We have to give it time. Let it germinate. Let it plant. Let it root down. And if you need to, you know, I'm, I'm just giving you license to have maybe a wine o'clock time. You know what I'm saying? Like, do, do what you need to do. Really, the best thing to do is just keep breathing. Because that tantrum over the tomatoes is not going to be long-lived. It might just get better. And I will say that that child of mine who used to have tantrums now eats asparagus without any problems, eats broccoli without any problems, will eat a Caesar salad without any problems, loves carrots, will even eat raw radish, this kid. So just don't give up. The truth is taste buds are really highly complex. And people that get set in their ways of eating early on, it may seem like it's beyond hope to recondition those taste buds, but it isn't. They, the reason they're so complex is because they respond to so many different things. They respond to temperature and they respond to the physical sensation of food, texture, how it feels on the tongue. They respond to taste profiles, you know, savory, sweet, acidic, acrid, bland, salty foods, balanced foods, umami foods, and all of the range in between. But just like a muscle, just like when you go to the gym, those taste buds need to be conditioned. They, they do. Think about it. They are like the strongest muscle. Your tongue is the strongest muscle in your body because the tongue wags the brain. So when they're conditioned, when they assimilate to trying a broad spectrum of those flavors, 
they then appreciate those flavors. They might even prefer those flavors. And it doesn't mean that you have to quit cold turkey. You know, I think that's where people don't have the most success is when you drop everything that you potentially love, if your eating habits are really on that, how I described in the beginning, the cocoa puffs and the gummy worms and sweet, 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 garbage, 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 processed foods, it may take a little bit more time, but they can be retrained. So flexing your taste buds means retraining them with the same focus and energy that you would use if you were strength training at the gym. You develop a taste for certain things by tasting them and doing it regularly. And then you learn to love foods that, that actually represent the most healthful benefits. The sour foods, the umami foods, the savory flavors that come in the form of fresh vegetables, you know, bitter flavors, celery, seaweed, greens, you know, you'll appreciate mushrooms and tomatoes and, um, and spinach and those flavor profiles that aren't associated with sugar. Because sugar takes a hold. Sugar is at the tip of your tongue. If you open your mouth right now and point to the tip of your tongue, my friends, those little taste buds are your sugar and salt right next to each other. So of course, they're the first thing to actually experience flavor. We have to now develop the other flavor profiles, the umami, the sour, the bitter. And that's where a lot of your healthful foods come into play. I mean, a lot of the time people say, I have a sweet tooth. I can't help it. I have a sweet tooth. I mean, they're the ones that start craning their necks looking for the dessert tray, you know, right when they've placed their order. But is having a sweet tooth really a habit or a true physiological need for sugar? I think it could be a little bit of both, but I think you can out-train yourself from both too. And one of the things that I would say is, what are you starting your day with, right? So you set the tone of your day with what you have in the morning. And when you look all over the world, you'll notice that the different types of foods that represent breakfast foods are really varied. In Japan, breakfast is sea vegetables, rice, and maybe raw fish. In China, it's kanji, which is a rice porridge, and it's rarely ever sweet things. It's seasoned with mushrooms or pork. In Egypt, the country that I was raised in, that I'm from, it's something called ful medemmes, and I have the recipe for it in my new book, Eat Like You Give a Fork. It's one of my favorite things on the planet, but it's stewed brown fava beans, and we serve it with hummus or tahini maybe some hard-boiled eggs, pickled turnips. I mean, it's savory. It's all savory. In Australia, maybe it's Vegemite on toast. In India, it could be lentils. It could be, you know, a dal lentil soup or maybe lentil dosas. In Uganda, they eat 
They eat cow organs for breakfast, y'all. In the Bahamas, it's spicy prawns and grits. In Peru, it's ceviche. So here's my point. I just named off a bunch of different countries and what they eat. Did you get sugar in any of those? No. But walk into a typical hotel breakfast buffet and what do you see? You can get stacks of pancakes and cornflakes and chocolate milk and Danish and muffins and waffles and pound cake and juice to wash it down and then find yourself in a sugar coma. So it's about choice. You can recondition when your choices change. And it can change as easily as somebody who grew up eating sea vegetables and raw fish in Japan can easily acclimate to a sugary American diet in a heartbeat. Right? So, I want you to flex your tongue like a champ. That tongue has a mind of its own, and it'd be dipping in that sugar and salt lick all day. But, you have the ability to wake it up. You can wake it up from hibernation and you can train it to be the strongest muscle in your body. When you retrain your taste buds, you retrain your brain. Like I said, the, the tongue wags the brain. So when you retrain your taste buds, you retrain your brain to actually crave different foods and you see your plate from a completely different perspective. I mean... Imagine picking broccoli and Brussels sprouts over brownies. I know you're like, Maria, are you kidding me right now? Yes, it can happen. And through my eating plan, you will actually begin to crave and dare I say even lust after greens and fermented foods and umami everything. Even if you don't know what umami means right now, I'm going to teach you how to love it. And yes, lust it. So how do you learn how to retrain your taste buds? I want to encourage you to join my free eight-week program, and it's going to walk you through all the steps to do that, starting with the taste bud reset. All you have to do is pre-order my book, which you're going to love anyway. I promise you it's going to be your handbook for life because we didn't come with an owner's manual, but this might just be your owner's manual for taking care of your body through food. And when you purchase the book on Amazon, you can pre-order it. You'll hold on to your code. And in the show notes right now, I'm going to give you the link to where you can enter your code and join my free eight-week program. My friends, when you liberate your taste buds from craving sugar and craving crap and start craving the things that boost your health and your vitality, your life changes. Your life changes. Your life changes. What you crave is what you become. And like I always say, every bite has the ability to boost your health or hurt your health. But you have to start with the most powerful muscle in your body. And that starts today. Are you with me? Are you down? I hope so. So I hope to see you in the group. Go ahead and pre-order. Eat like you give a fork. Enter your code. You'll be automatically entered to get my eight-week program for free. And I will walk you through each step 
step by step. But start with the most important step, and that is reconditioning your taste buds. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Recipes for Your Best Life. And I hope you've taken a second to subscribe and maybe even write a review. That would mean so much to me. And thank you for spending this time with me today. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for Recipes for Your Best Life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.